this is great. We're in week two of this three-part series called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And uh, have you ever experienced times in your life, I mean, let's just be really honest here, when it doesn't seem like God makes sense? I mean, I mean just, okay, I was going to say, if anybody says no, <laughs> either you, I don't think you've tried, <laughs> you know, but you know, so we're looking at that, and last week we looked at when God doesn't, you know, when he seems inattentive, and we talked about uh, John the Baptist, and, you know, and it's kind of when God seems silent, right? And, and, but we learned that when, just because God is silent doesn't mean he's absent, okay? And the purposes of the Lord prevails, and this week we're going to take a, a look at another situation, and this one too can seem a little bit difficult and confusing to us, because this is... We're going to take a look at when God seems uncooperative. Now, we all know what that means, like when our kids are uncooperative, right? We, we know it sounds when our friends are uncooperative, but when God is uncooperative, okay? Uh, uh, you know, and, and that's really like when we know that God could do something. You know, we're, we're believing that he will, but he doesn't. But he, but he doesn't, okay? Uh, so I'm going to just tell you up front, you know, this isn't one of uh, the feel-good, warm and fuzzy kind of messages, you know, where everybody's going to go, oh, you know. This is going to be a little bit tougher, but this is going to help us create a foundation in our faith to better understand the will of God and learn to depend and lean on him, even during those times when, from our perspective, it would look like the God's being uncooperative. Going to start out with a story. So a number of years ago when we were first starting, in fact, this is before we started the church. Cindy and I were involved in a ministry, and, and, and it's not this one, okay, uh, but it was here a couple of weeks ago. But we, but we thought we, we kind of needed a handheld microphone, okay, uh, a wireless handheld mic to do a particular ministry that we were involved in. And so we went and bought one over at uh, you know store, and we used it for quite a long time. And then when we planted the church, uh, we... Uh, we actually were at a boot camp thing for church planters, and they had a drawing for a wireless mic, and so we uh, won the drawing, and we got this one, this, this wireless mic for, for free, okay? And, and so for a, a good long time, uh, the two wireless mics that we used for the church were the one that we had bought, you know, back way before, and this one. Now, this one we added later, Okay. Now, the one that I'm talking about was actually here a couple of weeks ago during the prayer and praise service. We just needed three, and so we brought it along, okay? So we used that mic for, I don't know, well over a year, I think maybe about two years. And, and one Sunday, all of a sudden, you know, of course, we just trust every Sunday when we move in here and set everything up that we're going to turn it on and it's all going to work. Right, because then we were portable, right? So you know, we just have to trust that we didn't break anything this week or whatever. We so we set it all up, turned it on. That microphone didn't work, okay? And we thought, oh, batteries. So we changed the batteries, and we, I mean, look, you know, just long story short, we tried everything we knew how to do. The mic was dead, didn't work, okay? We opened it up. I mean, we looked for a loose wire, we, we, we couldn't find anything. Well, so we just had to go on to deal with church, right? And so we were thinking, well, what do we do? And 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 so you know, some weeks went by, and we. We didn't, you know, the, that mic didn't work, right? And we were thinking, should we buy a new one? Should we send it in for repair? It was going to cost a lot of money to repair it. Anyway, one Sunday, but it was, but it was, you know, it's like all this gear. It's like in the kit. You know, it's, it's in the boxes that we carry, right? So every Sunday, that microphone was coming to church. 
it, it had perfect attendance, okay? Well, you know, a few Sundays ago, right, we had a prayer and praise service. Those of you who were here for a prayer and praise service, okay. So, so one of those Sundays, while this mic wasn't working, we were having a prayer and praise service, okay? And, and we were praying for people, and, and it was really a great Sunday because some people were getting healed and some things, really cool things were happening. And we were just praying that God would heal, you know, everybody and everything that needed to be healed, right? And so we, you know, we had a great morning. We packed up and, you know, all went home. Well, it occurred to me later that we had been praying all morning for things to be healed. And I just thought, wouldn't it be wild if God healed that microphone? <laughs> now, I'm, I mean... I'm going to tell you, that crossed my mind, and I'm, I mean, if I told you, oh, I just knew God had healed it, I, I, I would be, I, I would not be telling you the truth. But I thought, you know, it's worth trying. So we got it out, we hooked it up, and all I can tell you is it's worked ever since. It, it worked, it worked, and it's worked ever since, and it worked here two weeks ago during the prayer and praise service, okay? I, I mean, God made the microphone work. Now, you can say, oh, that was just some coincidence. Look, all I can tell you is the mic quit working. Some pretty smart people looked at it and said, no, it doesn't work, you know? And all of a sudden, it sat through a prayer and praise service, and God healed it. Okay? Now, is that cool or what? Okay? At this, now, at this, so, but... As cool as that is, here's kind of the point I want to get to, all right? On the other hand, all of us have got some situations and examples in our lives that that we could probably categorize as more critical than a broken microphone that we've prayed for and God hasn't answered the prayer. We've prayed for someone to be healed. We've prayed for a relationship to be restored. We've prayed for a job or a loved one, right? We've prayed for some things. And, and, and for whatever reason, and maybe for some extended period of time, and yet seemingly our prayer goes unanswered, it doesn't seem fair, right? It doesn't, it doesn't seem fair. And because, and like, why in the world would God do something so insignificant as healing a microphone and not answer the prayers of a believer? Why would he do that? I mean, you know, maybe for you, you know, maybe God gave you that. Yeah, you know, oh, God, please help me to get a good parking spot at the mall. And he gave you one, but he hadn't cured your migraines. No, you know, I mean, we, we all have these situations, okay? And so, you know, whatever it is, I'm sure almost all of us have one of those categories. And I believe, you know, where we believe that God could do it, we're praying that he would, but he just hasn't, okay? So, so what do we do? in these situations, right? What do we do when it kind of seems like God's just, he's, 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 he's being uncooperative, you know? When, when we really, you know, we're being sincere, we're a sincere follower of Jesus, and we believe that prayers could be answered, and they're not. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at an example of this in the life of the Apostle Paul. We're going to take a look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and we're going to kind of look at one, uh, one specific time, one specific issue, and we're going to look at a few different angles of how that can apply to our lives, and I believe it will help us to, it will trust and encourage us. So the first thing we need to remember when it seems like that God is being uncooperative in our, in our prayer life is we need to recognize that prayer isn't about getting our way. Now, you know, if I wrote the rules, that, you know, that would be a good one, wouldn't it? You know, prayer would be about getting what I want because I only pray for good stuff, 
right? But it's not about us getting our way. Prayer is about us surrendering our will. It's about us surrendering our will. It's about us surrendering our will to what God actually wants. And, you know, some of us might have a hard time with this because, you know, we need to, but we need to remember that's exactly how Jesus prayed in the garden, right? Before he went to the cross, right? Before then, you know, he prayed, Father, you know, if you you take this cup from me, nevertheless, it's not my will, but yours, but yours. Jesus, even when he taught us to pray, right? He taught us to pray, thy will, thy will. He wasn't pointing at the disciples when he said that. He was pointing to God. And it's not, you know, it's not thy will be done. It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So uh, the Apostle Paul was going to learn, and he was going to discover this, right? That, that there is this learning to trust the will of God and not just what we want. Now, just in case you didn't grow up, you know, around church all your life, just a word about the Apostle Paul so you know who we're talking about, right? The Apostle Paul, for years, hated Christians. He killed Christians. He was not a, uh, you know, faithful member of, you know, first church of whatever, you know, he, he was against it, right? And, but one day on one of his trips to go persecute believers, he had a miraculous conversion and his life was radically changed. And he went from hating Christians, in fact, over time to becoming one of the most effective believers, I guess, ever in, in, in history, right? And eventually, Paul, I mean, this guy who was absolutely a killer and a hater of all things uh, of, of, of uh, believers, of Christians, ended up writing over half the New Testament that we have. I mean, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? And he took the gospel to every part of the world he could get to at that time. But, and, and you know, we know that he had visions and, and God worked a lot of miracles through him. But, but Paul also paid a really big price for, for that. Uh, you know, Paul was, we can read in scripture, Paul was stoned, Paul was shipwrecked, uh, he was beaten, and a whole lot more. In fact, you know, the truth is, Paul probably endured more hardships in his life than most of us ever have, will, or can truthfully even imagine. Now, I tell you all that to get to, so what was Paul's reward? Now, in our way of thinking, right, if somebody has been a faithful servant of God for years and years and years, we would like to say God would turn to them and with a gentle smile say, you know, you've been a very faithful servant for these years in your life. And so now I'm going to see that these later years of your life are more pleasant than these earlier times. I'm going to, I'm going to rain on you with my favor and blessing and right, and you're going to have a gentle time. Uh, well, not exactly. So let's read what happened with Paul if you would like to turn with me today's scripture, it's in 2 Corinthians 12, and uh, I'll start reading with verse 6. We'll read verses 6 through 10, 2 Corinthians 12. And it starts out by saying, uh, this is Paul, uh, even if I should choose to boast, I would, not, uh, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I, res- but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, 
there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's kind of a challenging passage of Scripture because Paul's talking and you know, he says, therefore to keep me from becoming conceited, I'm given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. It's a challenging verse. You know, think about it. Satan puts something into Paul's life. God allows it. And he not only allows it, but he uses it. Now, it's, Paul says he uses it to keep him from becoming conceited. Well, now, Paul had seen and done a lot of things, right? But, so, what is this thorn? Well, we don't know. We don't know what the thorn was, right? There's a lot of people that have had lots of ideas, a lot of scholars have argued and debated it for years, and everybody's got a guess, right? They all have their, what they believe. Some people actually believe it was a physical ailment, okay? Some believe it was uh, poor eyesight, because Paul writes in one of his, his epistles uh, when he says, you, you'll notice I'm writing in very large letters. Well, you know, if... If I take these off and you want me to read it, you better write in really large letters, you know, because I can't, then I can focus on it, right? And, and so, you know, maybe it was poor eyesight. Look, we don't know. But whatever it was, whatever it was, he says, this was given to me, God allowed it, it tormented me, but God used it. But God used it. Now, different scale maybe, but maybe some of us would say, or you would say, you've got a thorn. You've got something. You've got something in your life, some challenge, some issue, something. For somebody, it could be a person. It might be a boss. It might be a similar health issue. It might be something that you've prayed and prayed and prayed that God would take away, but it hasn't gone away. It's still there. You're still dealing with it. It For some people, it could be things like depression, it could, you know, it could be sleep disorders. It could be things like, I, God, I need reliable transportation so I can get to work. Look, whatever it is, it's things that are in your life and you've prayed and prayed and prayed, and, but so far, God isn't changing it. God isn't changing it. So one of the things we've got to remember, remember again is that prayer isn't about us getting our way but it's about us surrendering our will and saying, God, even though I really wish you would do this and you're not, I'm choosing to trust you in the middle of this situation. Choosing to trust you. So we've got to remember prayer is not about getting our way. It's about understanding God's will. The second thing we need to do when it would seem that God is not being cooperative, is we need to remember that we are not in control. We are not in control. Anybody ever uh, remember reading uh, The Purpose Driven Life? 
Rick Warren. Pretty popular book a few years ago. Okay, it like sold, I think, about as many copies one year as the Bible. I mean, it was really a, a big book a few years ago. Okay, the, if you read it or you ever heard of it, the very first sentence in that book starts out by saying, "It's not about you." And he goes on to talking about it's all about God. We were created for God's purposes. And what we need to understand today is that we are not in control. Prayer reminds us we're not in control. But I'll tell you what prayer does. It reminds us to stay close to the one who is. We need to stay close to the one who is. Look, prayer reminds me that I can't control all the situations in my life. It reminds me that I'm not in control. And for Paul, this thorn did exactly that. Okay, it reminded him to stay close. If you remember back to our verses we read in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, it says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. God, please, I'm pleading with you, take it away. Now, when I say that Paul pleaded three times, what I am not saying is that, you know, one Tuesday morning, he prayed at breakfast, and then he prayed again at lunch, and then he prayed again at dinner, you know, and he says, hey, God, I've prayed about this three times. You know, what's up? This is, this is not that. This is three significant seasons of attentional prayer, of focused prayer, where, where Paul, you know, it doesn't tell us, but I mean, for Paul, but, you know, probably fasting and praying for these seasons of time. And, and so for three of these times, Paul was doing this, and God didn't respond Look, some of you could be in a season like that right now. There could be some things you've been praying for. It could be about, you know, it could be about your parents' marriage. It could be about your child's marriage. It could be, uh, oh, God, you know, uh, that job. It could be about, you know, a, a job with benefits that would help you support your family. Look, whatever it is, you're praying, you're pleading, you're seeking God. God, I trust you. I'm seeking you. Please take this away. Please solve this. And, and God, I'm only asking you to do what I've seen you do before or I've seen you do for others. Look, even with Paul, here's the thing, right? If you think about it, Paul had already had more prayers answered than probably anybody in history up to that point. I mean, Paul had been, through him, God had worked so many miracles. He had touched so many lives. And, and, and so Paul pleads, right? And, and you would think, man, God would be all over it to answer it. But what does he say? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, while Paul's saying, God, please do this, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God, please, would you just do this one thing? Man, God, I could serve you so much more effectively if you would just solve this one issue in my life, right? And God says, no, no, not, not, not this time, not in this case. In, in this situation, my grace is going to be enough for you. So what does that mean? I mean, grace, we talk about grace, grace, you know, God's grace, we're saved by grace. I mean, isn't that what that's all about, the forgiveness of sins, right? I mean, what we need to understand is that grace actually has a meaning far greater than just that, right? The, it's a Greek word. Uh, it's the word uh, charis. 
It's used 155 times in the New Testament, and what it really actually means is undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. One scholar said it really well, so I'll just read what he said. He said, I love this. Grace is when God freely extends himself, leaning and reaching to us because he is disposed to bless us and be near us. It's the leaning in of God. It's the, I'm here for you. I want to reveal myself to you. It's God's leaning in for us to know his presence. Look, here's what happens. We tend to say, God, this is what I need. This is, this is what I need. We tell him. This is what I want. And, and, and God, if you'll, if you'll do this, then, then, then I'll have what I need. Then I'll have what I need. But God sometimes says, no, this is not what you need. In this case, I am what you need. So stay close. So stay close to me. That's a hard one for us to understand sometimes, but sometimes that is the answer to our prayer. It's not that God didn't listen. It's not that God's mad at you. It's not that God is is saying, no, you don't deserve. No, he's saying you actually deserve the best thing. You you deserve me. You deserve my presence. And, And while you may not understand it, because it's not where your heart is right now. Right now your heart is on the thing that you're praying for, the solution that you're seeking. But that's from your perspective. That's that's. That's because we don't have God's view on it. And what God is saying, no, in this case, at this time, even though I know this is going to sound difficult and I know it's going to sound, may sound crazy to you right now, what I want you to understand is in this case, you need me. You need me more than what you want. So stay close to me. Now, That's tough because what a lot of us want to do in our lives is when God doesn't behave the way we want him to behave, we start saying, well, then I'll show you. I'll quit tithing. I'll quit going to church. I'll just put put my Bible back on the shelf because obviously this deal doesn't work. Because what we want to do is treat God like it's a transaction, right? We want to treat God like it's our jobs, where I go to work for a few hours, they give me some money. I mean, I love my job. Frankly, I like what I do. But if they quit paying me, I'm not going to go there, right? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I like it, but I mean, you know, okay, okay. So, you know, I go because there's this transaction, right? I work, they pay. I come back, they pay me some more. We do this, right? So we start to think, well, that's how things should work with God. I pray, he answers, well, that's turning God into a vending machine, isn't it? And, and, and that's not what he is. That's not what he is. And so in this case, he says, I'm what you need. I'm sufficient. My grace in this situation is sufficient. That's what you need. It's the leaning in presence of God. 
It's almost like if, if, we, if I gave God some words here, you know, what he could be saying in the amplified version, the Steve's amplified version, you know, is he's saying, I could do it. I've done it before. I may do something similar later. But in this situation and at this time, you're going to experience me in a way that you could not if I were to do for you right now what you're asking. You wouldn't experience me that way. It's the leaning in, reaching presence of God And it's something that is so hard to explain, I think you just have to experience it to fully understand it. It's God's grace. Somebody could say to you, well, how do you make it through this? How how are you going to get through this situation? I've got this special grace from God. I mean, someone could say, how in the world? How are you going to survive it? I'm not sure. I'm just going to stay close to God. I'm just going to stay close to God. Because as a result, God's giving me this special grace to get through it. And it can only come from him. Look, we just got to recognize that prayer isn't about getting our way. It's about surrendering our will to God. And we've got to know that God does not exist to serve us. We exist. We were created to serve him, to worship him. Our our, our Western view of Christianity, right, kind of gets that mixed up. Because we, we kind of want God to, you know, do what we want him to do. But, you know, we just really need to remember that God does not exist to serve us, but we exist to serve him. So, prayer reminds us we're not in control, keeps us close to the one who is, pressing in, God, I'm seeking you, I'm believing, I'm seeking, I'm trusting, and God, even if you don't do this, I will continue to stay close and trust in you. Tough words, but true. Tough words, but true. Third thing that we got to remember is that prayer isn't about just asking, but it is about trusting. It is about trusting. It's not just asking for what you want, but it's trusting that God knows what's best. Look, if after the service you were to come up here and ask for prayer and say, hey, I've got cancer, you know, I need prayer. Man, we're going to pray for you, right? We're going to pray. We're a church that believes that the power of God, the name of Jesus is, is above all names, that it's more powerful than the name of cancer, and we're going to speak a word of healing over you, and we're going to pray that you be healed, right? Because we're a church that believes that God heals and that he provides and that he does miracles, and that's why we ask and we trust, that's why we ask and why we trust. In fact, James 4.2 tells us we should, right? Because James verse 4.2 says that you have not because you don't ask God. So, I mean, God's even, you know, we're, we're invited to come and lay our petitions, to lay our needs, to ask God. So we're going to ask. We're going to believe for miracles. And we have seen miracles and we know we will continue to see miracles. But there are going to be times when God says no. And when that happens, it's about trusting. It's about trusting that God knows more about this situation than you do or I do. And that he is trustworthy. That he is trustworthy. And that's what Paul ended up having to do. That was exactly Paul's experience. Because now... Here he is years later in this passage we're reading where he, where he tells us about his experience. 
But now, Paul is looking back on his thorn that apparently he still has. And suddenly, he's got a very different perspective of it. Rather than earlier where he says, I pleaded three times, now he's seeing that this thing that has tormented me, God has actually used in my life to refine me and keep me close to him. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he says, because of this, my perspective has changed, so I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. And that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I mean, think about Paul. Think about what he went through. I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. Why? Because when I'm weak, I'm made strong. When I'm weak, I stay close to God. I stay close to God trusting in His strength, not in my strength. Then I'm strong. I delight in these things that I would never choose for myself. I delight in these things that I would never pick for myself. I delight in these things that I would never guess would be what God would have done as a, you know, for me at this point. Because I I choose, I experience the presence and the power of God in those things. Let's remember something, and this is a tougher one, but let's remember this, and this was true of Paul. It's not the successes that make me closer to God. It's not the easy times that draw me closer to God. It's those times when I can't do anything but depend on God when I can't do anything but depend on God and that He will help me to know Him in a more intimate way. Listen, if you really think about it, it's not the best days of your life that have caused you to go turn and praise God. I mean, if if anything, sometimes our best days turn out to be our worst days spiritually because it's those days we start to forget about God and start to think, oh, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I did a pretty good job there. I, I did all right. Different people pat you on the head and say, you did a good job. You start to go, guess I did. Listen, those aren't the days that draw me closer to God, that cause me to lean on Him, that cause me to realize that I can't do anything without His help and power and strength. It's the tough days when I'm in the fire, when I'm in the pit, when I'm getting wrapped around the axle with something. That's the days when I realize that that my best efforts, even my best efforts won't get this done. And then I know that the only reason I'm going to survive, the only reason I'm going to make it, the only reason this is going to come out anyway good is if I just stay close to God. And that's what he's calling us to do. That's what he's calling us to do. Paul's perspective changed over time. Changed over time. Look, you know, people say, you know the old, this is a dumb saying, okay? You know, people say, time heals all wounds. You've heard that. That's baloney. That's baloney, isn't it? I mean, we all know people that have had bad things that have happened to them, 
and it's 30 years later. And, and you mention it, and they're just still as angry as they were 30 years ago. They're just as bitter and mad. Listen, time does not heal wounds. Let me tell you what heals wounds. Time in God's presence heals wounds. That's how you heal wounds. So, so when God says, I'm what you need. Stay close to me. We've got to understand that that's where healing comes from. It's not the solution we're looking for because I want a quick fix. I just want the problem solved. God sometimes wants us to go through it because it builds character, it builds strength, but most of all, it causes us to trust in Him and it allows Him to heal us. It allows Him to heal us. It's a healing that can only take place in His presence. Look, you may have some stuff in your life right now you don't like and you wish God would change them. I understand that, but the presence of God over time, right, years from now, can look back and say, I see what you did. Couldn't see it then. Couldn't see it then. Couldn't see it right now, right? I'm in the middle of it. I can't see it. That's why I just got to trust and stay close because I can't see it. I'm in the middle of a storm. You know, there was a song a few years ago. I, I love this song. It talked about sometimes he calms the storm. Remember that song? It was on the radio a lot. Sometimes he calms the storm, tells the winds and waves, be still, right? So, some, you know, uh, we know he can, you know, but he says sometimes he lets the winds and waves go wild. And this line that always got me was he says, sometimes he calms the storm sometimes he calms his child. Okay? That's what staying close to God. That's what trusting God does. That's that time when there makes no sense, but you just stay close to God and you trust him. And Paul did that. And so then he was able to look back and say, yeah, the beatings, yeah, the, the, all the insults and being left for dead and, and the things I'm treating, but, but God, through it all, I just stayed close to you. I might not have chosen those things for myself, but God, you've used them, everyone. And because I've stayed close to you, you've built an intimacy between me and you I wouldn't have had otherwise. Because I know that you're faithful. I know that you're good. On the good days, I know it, but I really know it in those tough days because I know there'd be no other way. I'd even be alive still today. I would never have gotten through this had it not been for you and me staying close to you. Look, time in God's presence heals wounds. So look, I don't know about you, and I don't know what you may personally be going through right now. And man, the last thing I'd ever want to do is play it down because, you know, it, what you're going through yourself could be more painful than maybe anything anyone around you's ever gone through or ever would, okay? But I can tell you this, no matter at this moment how bad it can seem, no matter how bad it seems, no matter how bad and tough it is, I can tell you this with 100% certainty that the goodness of God gets better over time. Stay close to Him. Trust in Him. And over time, the goodness of God just gets better and better. And truthfully, I even have to remind you of this. If God never does exactly what you want Him to do, it doesn't make Him any less God. Because at the end of the deal, 
We weren't, God isn't here to serve us. We were created to serve and worship him. So, what do we do? We continue asking because we're told we can. We continue asking. We continue to believe for miracles. We're going to ask. We're going to trust. Because we're going to remember that prayer isn't just about getting God to do what we want, but it's about surrendering our will to God. We're going to say, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I want, God. Here's what I'm asking you for. Here's what I'd like to see you do. Lord, but, but at the end of the day, not my will, but yours. Prayer reminds us we're not in control. Keeps us close to the one who is. Keeps us close to the one who is. Look, my prayer for every one of you, for all of us, is that no matter what we're going through right now, your own version of the thorn that you may be dealing with, years from now, you look back and you say, I didn't understand it. I do now. God used it. Because even when life doesn't feel good, our God is good. Our God is good. He's always good. He can't be anything but good. So we serve and we worship a good God. We serve and worship a good God. Would you join me in prayer? Would you stand, please? Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. just a time let's just pray so if if you'd say no one looking around but if you'd say I got a thorn right now I got something I've been praying for and praying for and it's just not going away would you just lift a hand up yeah amen 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 thank you thank you a lot of hands amen amen I want to pray for each of us. Lord, today, God, we, uh, we acknowledge, Lord, that we're here to serve you. And God, today we come together and we just want to praise your name. God, because you are good. And Lord, today, each one of us, Father, have that thorn, that area in our life that's tough. And Father, today, because you've told us we can, we're still going to ask you, Lord, Heal that thorn. Remove that thorn. Lord, meet that need. Heal that relationship, Lord. Bring that job. Meet that financial need. Lord, restore that relationship. Lord, remove the bitterness. Remove the pain. God, through it all, we're going to stay close to you. We're going to stay close to you. We're going to trust you. Lord, we're going to believe that you are good all the time. And the Lord, should you choose in this case not to remove it, that you will redeem it and you will use it, Father, to keep us close to you and allow us to experience your leaning in your presence, and your peace in ways that we would never know it otherwise. God, we're going to trust you 
we're going to follow you either way because you are good. And we we were created to worship you and serve you. Lord, give us your perspective on the things of our life that we don't understand. God, help us to see people, situations, and issues from your perspective. Give us your eyes. Give us your heart. Father, that our lives would bring honor and glory to you. And so, Lord, now I pray that you would bless us and, God, that you would anoint us all with your peace, your love, and your joy as we leave here today to serve you faithfully. I ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name.